he, it's a faith book about sport. Thank you. Oh, sorry. I stopped the mind too. <laughs> Round uh, standing ovation. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I laugh every day, I don't do negativity. I don't do no negativity. I think that they mad cause it never offended me. Boy, it can never offend me. Following God gon' lead to some enemies. I already know it, but I'm ready for war. Let go. So hand me my weapon, please. I'm living life so abundantly. abundantly. Gave them my all, not just some of me. They tell me that my music fly. Well, I hope that it hit in this thing like a bumblebee. See, I've been talked by a humble king. To walk up the ladder, no stumbling. Are we rolling? Yeah, yeah, we're good. So here, here's what the question I wrote down. Before we talk about discipleship, maybe we should define it. Well, how would you, how, Aaron, how would you define discipleship? <clears throat> I would define discipleship as, I guess, just making disciples, just like being being the disciple that Jesus called us to be. Um, so dis- discipleship would be the act of making disciples. Okay. Houston, what would you say? I would say taking the things that, Jesus teaches us through the word and living everyday life with other people and teaching them about what that is and how they can grow in their faith. You know, when you think about it, you know, we talk about Jesus as savior and Lord, right? Lord and savior and Lord. Um, You think those fit with salvation and sanctification, right? So, so let's, let's talk. Salvation is that momentary Jesus Boom, he comes in and does it. He makes you new. He changes you. He forgives your sin. He, he brings your, your spirit to life, right? Yeah. That's a, it's all on him, 100% on him. That salvation is just us leaning in, right? But the sanctification is the process of becoming more like Jesus. Mm. And, um, and, you know, this, this um, forgiveness message, if, if salvation is the the promise and heaven is the payoff the process happens between the promise and the payoff is the process and the process is us becoming more like jesus right yeah honestly i struggle there i struggle in the process i struggle in the grind um and and if this is where i found myself in ministry and and as because look i've made the mistake of my my ministry talks, my messages was like the pinnacle time of my, the time I spent with Jesus was just to talk in front of students. And I mean, I got so unhealthy in that time because it wasn't about me and my heart. It was about me being a vessel, a steward of the information that I'm passing. And it, man, it, it, I was in a rough place when I came to FCA because I was so results driven. It's like, how big's the offering? How many people were there? And because here, the truth is this. You can preach the best message in the world and no one make respond to the gospel, right? Mm-hmm. Or you preach the worst message in the history of the world and everybody in the room respond to it. I've been there. <laughs> I preached the worst. I'm like, wait, somebody responded to that? <laughs> and so I think for me and my journey of, of a disciple is taking the pressure off of me that the results are on me. It's on Jesus. And look, like I said earlier, if, if all Jesus or all he did was say what the father said, maybe I should focus on that. 
and just do and say the yeah. things that the, the father says. And, and there's times where I should just shut my mouth mm-hmm. and sit back and, and listen to people. Because, I mean, out of the abundance of our hearts, we identify where we're at. And so for, for us, you know, especially in our FCA world as we're embracing and getting our arms around this discipleship, we've defined, um, defined it as someone growing in their relationship with Jesus Christ and his church. Yeah. And I think that's a critical part that you have both segments there. And I'm a firm believer that God has called us to go to a church. That he's asked us, he's created us to be part of a body and, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and be a functioning member in that body. And that's not in the world today, you know, especially with COVID, because the church, you know, was kind of like, um, you know, COVID's here, so we're going to do church online now. And then, well, COVID's not anything, you can come back, and here in Missouri, we're back. And our church is bursting at the seams, and it's kind of fun and exciting. But um, but then it's like, well, forget that online message. You need to come to church now. And it's there's a lot of churches that have that are meeting and have not bounced back in a COVID world. Right. And I think it's just because it's easier to watch church in your pajamas and eat your, you know, your do like DoorDash with your Rudy Tootie fresh and fruity and and. Just do your thing. Look, if Jesus <laughs> Jesus just did his thing, he tried to get out of it up that day too. Lord, Lord, he negotiated just like we negotiate. God, is there any way I we could do this a different way? Mm-hmm. And the way that God led him to do it is the same way he's leading us to do it. And that's the hard way. Yeah. <laughs> Discipleship is hard, especially when you realize God's asking you to do something different and deeper than everybody else. And he lets everybody else get away with their stuff, but he's asking you to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and like for me, man, I've never been discipled. And so I'm, I can't lead anybody to a place that I've not been myself. And I always, as a youth pastor, I always said it for anything to happen here, it's got to happen here first. And, and that's where nothing else matters, man. Just being a steward. Yeah. Of, of, Cause it's not, none of it's ours anyway. Your calling, your wonderfulness, Aaron's beard, man, none of it. It's all Jesus's. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Praise God. And so for us, um, and, and even for me, there's, there's salvation and there's sanctification. There's public or personal transformation and there's public multiplication in, um, you know, in Philippians two, um, in fact, well, it, it just, in Philippians, the headline of it is the subtitle is be imitators of the humility of Christ. Mm-hmm. And, and we'll, where we're going in this is therefore, if there's any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing of the spirit, if any tenderness, compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded. And it goes on. Um, this is verse 12, and I'm going to confront you here in a minute. Therefore, my this, So it's all about people that are already Jesus-y, right? But Philippians 2.12, it says, Therefore, my dear brothers, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue 
to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And we just we just say that at the altar call, right? It's time to work out your salvation. It's time to look. This scripture is not about us becoming Christians. This is Paul telling us to get better at it. That's right. That's true. And it's time to move on, guys. And um, this is what I've learned about Jesus: is he's the he's the test. He's a teacher, right? Isn't that what they called him? Teacher. Yeah. Teacher. Yeah. Teacher. Yeah. And my wife's a teacher and man, I was so good in third grade. They asked me to do it twice. (laughs) (laughs) Praise the Lord. (laughs) Well, it was my parents that asked me to do it twice because I I didn't read well. The Derek Zoolander building for kids that don't read well would have been good for me. See, come on guys. (laughs) I've seen, I've seen, I've seen Zoolander, but it's been a few years. There's, You've got to say movies that are a little bit newer, though. <laughs> quote Step Brothers. <laughs> yeah, quote Step Brothers. We, <laughs> we can vibe on Step Brothers all day. <laughs> Let me just reset here. <laughs> so, all right, I'll watch Step Brothers and we'll do this all again. No, um, don't watch well, Step Brothers. <laughs> we didn't recommend it. <laughs> it's just if you've already seen it. <laughs> but now I totally forgot where I'm going. Oh, uh, your wife is a teacher. Yeah. Yeah. Look, Jesus is ultimately the teacher. Now, if if there's one thing I know about teachers, that they'll help you as much as you want in classroom time. If you have questions, man, algebra, I'm horrible at math. I would be going up every question, right? But at, at test time, the teacher is typically silent, right? Yeah. And there's times in my life that, man, I failed the test and I hate going back and repeating tests that I feel like I've already passed. And there's times where I, I go to Jesus and Amos talks about, it. he says, there's going to be a famine and it's not, I think it's Amos two. There's not going to be a famine in food and water, but a famine in hearing the words of the Lord. And I think that is telling us that man, in those test times, we failed the test. And there's times where I just quit in my faith moving forward because I failed and I was tired of failing. And you go to Jesus and he's the teacher. And so he's quiet. And all he's going to say is go back and repeat the lesson you already, you already learned. And there's so many people in the faith that are like second and third grade Christians stuck on the sincere milk of the word because they don't go back and change. Why? That's true. That's true. Wow. And for me, there's two things that are huge right now. Number one is forgiveness and dealing and processing that. And we'll talk more about that later. But that second thing is in, is in the renewing of the mind. Discipleship is thinking patterns changing to conform to God. Mm-hmm. And, and there's so many people that don't have a revelation of what that means. Grasping forgiveness and extending the same forgiveness that Jesus extended to us and renewing your mind are such a big part of our faith. And so Romans 12, 2, it says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so if you're cool with it, I'm going to talk about the process of how I, how I do that. Yeah, for sure. So Please. There's two kinds of thoughts we have. Life-giving, kingdom-minded thoughts or stepbrother quote thoughts, right? Amen. 
<laughs> but ultimately, right? So what yeah. we need to do is have two buckets that we distribute every one of our thoughts into. And this is discipleship. It's learning the thinking patterns straight from Paul. Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be trained. So don't be conformed, be transformed. And here's how you're transformed. You change the way you think. Because when we change the way we think, we're going to change the way we talk. And our, our words are powerful. How did God create the world however many thousands of years ago? Speaking. Speaking. Yeah. Let there be light. Let there be water. Let there be water buffalo, right? Or whatever it was before Adam got to, to name it. Man, our words are powerful. How do we initiate our faith? Confess with our mouth and believe with our heart. And our words are powerful. So we better figure out how to get them right. And that is working backwards. Abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So you got to change your mouth. But to change your mouth, you got to change your heart. To change your heart, you got to change the way you think. And so here's the process is every thought that we have, first of all, we don't have to say, and I'm working on that one, that diarrhea <laughs> of the mouth that I just, everything I think I've got to say. That's dangerous. <laughs> yes, but it's the gift that I have. It is a gift. I'm most anointed in my life with that. And the spirit of sarcasm is what God's anointed me, equipped me most with. Yeah, that, that's one of my favorite things about you, just so you know. <laughs> it's funny. I got I got confronted by a guy about my sarcasm. And, really? Uh, all right, Lord. If that, look, this is let's let's be something that Jesus would say and do. Is there something in the way I'm speaking in my sarcasm that I need to submit to Him to become more like Him? In man, every area of my life, I want to do it. I want to be Aaron's sons. I don't want to be Aaron's sons that die because I don't do it right. I want to be the most pure vessel that he's called me to be. And renewing of the mind is that. So every thought you have needs to go in one of two buckets. If it's the if it's the life-giving bucket and it's the word and it's the spirit, then let's keep that thought and let's dwell on that thought. And if it's not, we got to throw that away, right? We got to get rid of that thought that is not Jesus-y. And so, but here's where people screw up. They, they realize that their thoughts are bad, but they don't know how to change it. And the law of, and it's just the law of this, as I drink this water, as it goes from full to the glass is now half full. If I would dump this out, Houston, I'll ask you, if I dump all this out, are, is it empty? Yeah. It's been replaced by air. Oh, look, we apply the law of replacement to the renewing of our mind. And Jesus set the example and he replaced those thoughts with um, with the word. Mm. But to replace your thoughts with the word, you have to know the word. Yeah. So let's just take a thought. So pretty much two buckets. Every thought you filter, you throw it away or you keep it. It's that simple. So let's have a thought that that I, I preached at a church last week. And let's say it was horrible. And I just think, man, I'm not good enough. And I dwell on that thought, then that's going to drop into my heart and eventually it's coming out of my mouth, right? But here's what you do. You replace that just like Jesus did when he was again tempted by the devil, right? He used the word. I am not good enough, but I'm thankful that the grace of God is helping me. Mm. See, you just took that thought and you replaced it with the word. It's the grace of God. It's the goodness of God that leads to repentance, right? And so I want... I want to change 
the way I think, and that's how you do it. Let's, you know, man, I just, I'm not good enough. You know what? I'm not good enough, but the grace and mercy that, that Jesus has extended to me, I can get better. I'm not the finished product. He who began a good work in me is going to be faithful to complete it. And that process of renewing your mind right there can change so many things. But here's what happens with people, and, and we'll talk more about this at the forgiveness phase. But, man, I, with, with where I was at when, with, in regards to forgiveness, I saw God working in my heart, but the, I wasn't seeing the, the result of that work on the outside yet. And so I got frustrated. And there's a lot of people that are that way. That I'm grew in my faith, and I I just I I got stuck. I couldn't I couldn't go anymore. Man, when I was a kid, I I taught myself a little bit of guitar and a little piano. But when I reached when I hit the the law of the lid, when I hit the roof of my knowledge, I couldn't do anything, and I just and I had to stop because I I got frustrated and quit. That's my life story is riddled with me quitting things because I don't have somebody walking with me. The power of discipleship is you're walking with other people. Yeah. And that's where people miss it is they're just doing, they're the lone ranger out there by themselves. It's find somebody and grow in their faith with them. And man, I've got so many people, I'm even a book. Hey, will you go through a book with me? Zoom is perfect, man. You guys can do this from across thousands of miles away, mm -hmm. you know, at different time zones. Yeah. Uh, you know, Matthew 12, I'm sorry, Matthew 28, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey my commands that I've given you and be sure of this. I am with you even to the end of the age. Jesus gave a clear command to go and make disciples. This is not a recommendation. Let's go and do it. Man, if, if, if I lived my faith out like my kids live out my instruction, I'm going to get impatient really quickly. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Right? But, yeah. man, we got to keep moving forward. we got to keep moving forward in our faith. It's not a recommendation. It's a command. And so the command um, has given us authority to go and make disciples and it would make sense that we can come up with a process that is simple that we could teach somebody else and they can go and do it. Mm -hmm. And that's where as a ministry, what I love where we're going is, is, um, you know, our thing is engaged, equipped and empowered. And, and it's like principle driven living. Um, look, we're not, this is something that bothers me about some segments of church. And these people just want to go to church and sit and get spiritually fat. I don't see anywhere that God has called us to sit in church and get spiritually fat. I see him calling us to go, go out. Mm. We just want to, and I'm not, you know, Nathan is a prayer man. He can sit for hours and do it. And I'm like, I, I'm not wired that way. My spiritual ADD kicks in and like, <laughs> but trying to like, there's a cat over there. And then the cat just grows and it just gets bigger and it, and look, this is why we need each other. We need the, I need the prayers. I need people standing me with me to pray. I need people standing me with me support. I need people that I can talk to and leaders that I can go to and say, Hey man, how, how do you do this? I need people helping me get better. 
And that's what I think Paul is talking about when when he says, um, you know, work out your own salvation is is get better. Find someone to get better with you. Um, and so, man, discipleship is such a big deal. So what is what have your guys's frustration been in discipleship? You go first, Aaron. Uh, I could say that what you had explained there, um, kind of like you feel, you feel the, the shift taking place in your heart. Um, but then you feel like you hit that, like that, that point of like nothing, like my mind isn't changing or like my, my thoughts aren't changing. Um, and I, I feel like that's really that information that you said there is really helpful with like just making sure the thought like what thought are you holding on to and then replacing it with like like the example that you gave um just simply saying like i'm not good enough but like a god promised to finish the work in me kind of keeping your mind focused on that um i'd say that was one of the biggest things is just like feeling like okay now what you know what i mean like i'm i'm i feel the shift taking place i feel everything happening but like, where do I go from here? You know, yeah. <clears throat> and that's such a big deal is realizing you're not at the 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 final destination. You're not at the finish line. Is you're just at the simple mile marker, and um, and that's what the line I've been telling myself. It seems like the past few months, even the six, past six months, man, I'm still cooking. You know, when you when you smoke a a brisket you have this raw flesh and you put delicious shaker stuff on it, whatever it is, your rub on it. And the, the meat, the smoke, the heat, and the, the flavoring that you put on it, um, that starts the finished product looks entirely different, smells entirely different, tastes entirely different. And our, ours is the same way is man, we are not, we're still cooking, man. We've got to break those tendons and ligaments down and let that fat dissolve. And my favorite thing, man, to cook is per- pork belly burnt ends, man. Oh, you'd make these little cubes of explosive fat exploding in your mouth with it's like bacon, but it's like. Oh, it's way better. That sounds so good. When are you going to invite me over? It's a three hour trip, but I'll make the trip for that. I, you know. <laughs> I've invited you before and you've not come. So hold on. That's funny. Yeah. This summer when your pool's opened up, let All me right. know when you're making those uh, burn ins and I'll be there. I will. That's so fun. there's a lot of wisdom there and look, well, Houston, you go. Okay. A couple of things and I'll make them short, but I, I keep thinking of when you're talking about this, I keep thinking of second Corinthians 10, five. And I don't know if you were going to go there with this, but um, I mean, this is right in line with what you're saying, but it's we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Yeah. And And so, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's not we destroy arguments. It's not always about arguments that we're having with other people. It's arguments that we're having within our own mind. The thoughts that come up and argue with the thoughts that are supposed to be obedient with God or, you know, or the way that, you know, God speaks over us with his promises through the word. Those thoughts arise. And if they're not godly, we've got to put them in that in that bucket um, 
you know, that's, you know, separating it from things that we're supposed to dwell on and not supposed to dwell on. And so I, I keep thinking of that verse. But as far as like what I've been frustrated with discipleship on, uh, that was the question, right? Um, so with me in my life is since I've never really been discipled, I don't, and I don't want to put that on fully on the church or anybody who I've been in relationship with because it's my own fault too, because I've been the type of person in the past where, um, I've struggled with submitting to leadership and I'll just be completely honest. Um, seems like every time I get going, um, the thoughts arise of, ah, this is, this is too much. I mean, I got to get out of here. Like it's too much accountability. It's too much, um, whatever. And those thoughts arise and I don't do the right thing with them. I let them just settle. Um, and so I've probably destroyed a lot of opportunities in being discipled just as much as different people in my life have failed to disciple me. So it's, it's an equal game here. Um, I've done it just as bad as the person who I would have desired to, to disciple me has, but, um, I think a lot of time within churches where it drives me a little bit crazy is we've made discipleship just a class that we go to um, once a week for four weeks or something. Let's talk and about like, the church's vision, mission, and how the pastor got saved. Exactly. <laughs> and then we get plugged into parking lot ministry and we feel like we're you know doing the gospel, which that stuff is needed and we should be serving in our local churches, but that's not the fullness of discipleship. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, they're a whole nother conversation. Yeah. But, and the pastor's equipping and story and the church's vision and mission is not what I need in the midst of marriage trouble. Mm -hmm. I mean, one reason why people run away from discipleship, and probably one of my favorite verses in the Bible is Proverbs 14.4. Anybody know what it is? No. <laughs> It's pretty simple. If you want an empty trough, don't have an oxen. Oh, oh my gosh. Every verse you were talking about are verses that God has been speaking to me. And I should know that because it's, I literally have read that and heard it probably 20 times in the last month. And I, I have a little bit of a personal translation on it, but I won't share it here. I'll text it to you, but keep going. <laughs> well, but the reality is people are messy. Yeah. Right. We're stinky. We're really bad investments from a kingdom standpoint, because look, there's a reason why we need people in our life that are in the middle of our business, because you can have a pastor that's been a pinnacle of, of what ministry looks like, or so you think for 30 years and come to find out the foundations cracked and it just was a big fat secret. Yeah. No one is, is exempt from, from the, the fiery darts of the enemy. And so that's why we have to build this kingdom on nothing but Jesus. Mm -hmm. The the pastor's office, and I love pastors, and the anointing, all of that can burn away. It's Jesus that everything needs to be established on. And so um, we've got to get better at Jesus. You know, we've got to get better at those things. Look, here's what I've learned. Healthy things grow, and everybody loves to say that. Ah, healthy things grow but they also change, right? The needs that I have in my life today, if I read a book, something else in five years, I'll pick something else entirely different. But the reality is this, Jesus paid the price to be set apart from every other um, good, good kingdom-minded person in the history of the world. 
other leaders in the history. So don't you think if we're following him, if little we're Christians, we're little Christs, we're little Jesuses, we should figure out what price we need to pay to be set apart to walk out with him too? Right. Yeah, for sure. There's a price to be set apart, and we've got to figure out how to do it. Um, and the, the challenge is this. The world says to go and do. Religion says to go and do. The gospel says, come to me. Mm, that's good. You have to live a daily rhythmic life of going to him every day. And, um, you know, I don't know, in some ways lately, <laughs> um, I've been the trailer park and Jesus has been the tornado, man. He's just flipping things over and turning things around and just <laughs> things around and breaking things up like, man. Yeah. But if it's anything at 47 years old where I'm at, man, I'm going to fight like the third monkey trying to get onto the ark. Then nothing else matters. <laughs> I mean, I'm fighting, brother. I'm going to be that third monkey. <laughs> Please say that again because I do not want the audio to clip on <laughs> I don't even know if I can say it the same <laughs> That is one of the funniest things I've ever heard in my life. We just found the intro. Yeah. I am fighting like the third monkey to try to get onto Noah's Ark because I don't want to be left behind. And I don't want Jesus to leave me behind. And I know he's not going to. But we got to fight for this. It's a big deal. And so, you know, for FCA, I love it because we've really broken it down and made it simple. Um, engage, equip, Empower are our three terms. Um, and, you know, 1 Thessalonians 2.8, awesome scripture. We loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives. Man, who, first of all, you got to find your people. And who's God called you to run with? For me, we've got some couples that we run with. Um, but for FCA, we're running with coaches. That's our, our, our crowd. That's our audience. And so we engage our people through genuine relationship by sharing our lives with them. With FCA, we call it the ministry of presence. And you just start off there by just being around and people knowing who you are. And I had a conversation with Kylie who works with me this week. I mean, she's really good at this, at really just ministry of presence. Like she has a list on an Excel spreadsheet of like all the coaches we serve. So I've got 54 schools and there's, there's about, if in a normal non-COVID year, we'd have about 40 schools that are doing huddles, right? And, and she's got a list of like all their favorite Sonic drinks. And so she knows what they like. She knows the snack that this coach likes, uh, you know, a cherry limeade and this coach like the green Skittles. And she's really good at that. But it's like people will come to her and they're like, man, thank you for serving me. I can't ever repay you. Yeah, you can repay me by living out what I'm doing with somebody else. Don't just sit back and, because what we do is we just like to do good things in the ministry, right? We like to be the, the good, fun person. But look, no one is pushing us to make an impact. We're going to get lazy. And we do. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's so easy working for a church. Your paycheck's coming every week, whether you're producing results or not. And we got to get better at this. We got to get, we don't have a choice, but we got to get better at this. So we have to engage first. Um, for us, you know, there's four, there's four points under each one. Is it's engage God first. 
man, I've taken this and applied it and it has kind of wrecked me in some way. And nothing else matters but going to God first. Lord, what, what do you want me to do today? How do I, what do I need to do to win the day? And I'm not, I'm not at a job like I couldn't do job that some of these people do, man, that they can do the same thing over and over every day. I can't do that. Man, I love the diversity that my job brings every day, whether I'm sitting with a coach, because I've got four things that I have to do. Um, I've got to be a pastor to coaches. I've got to be a fundraiser. I've got to run this thing like a business and then kind of marketing and strategy. And so I love every day's different in those four things. Mm -hmm. And, um, but nothing else matters. Engage God first. God, what do you need me to do today? What do I need to do to win the day? Nothing else matters but going to God first. Mm -hmm. And um, that's where I've learned that I, the professional Christian thing, man, I can be better at this. And walking away from every conversation with that person being lifted up and representing Jesus well in that conversation. Because um, look, this stuff isn't going to happen by accident. It's happened because we're intentional. Um, so we engage God first. We engage the heart second. Engage the, the, with the gospel and then engage to multiply. And man, this, this is our, our playbook here. I love it. But we have these heart questions, H-E-A-R-T questions. Um, and man, I've been using these and I'll, let me see if I can find, find it here. And I'll just ask you a couple of these. I have it in a picture um, that I send people as I'm going through it. But um, here you go. Um, it's transition. These are like straight leadership things. It's taking a conversation and putting a spiritual spin on it. Um, let's see. Like with somebody that that um, is a competitor in the sporting world, you know, Aaron, in your background. Um, when I play, my faith is a source of confidence. What gives you confidence as an athlete? So what you're trying to do is you get, you want to get out of the engagement part as soon as you can, right? When I married my wife or when I got engaged, look, that's not the payoff, brother. It's the promise. Let's get out of this engagement thing as quick as we can, right? Yeah, amen. Right? <laughs> um, you know, I spend time in prayer as part of my pregame ritual. What does your pregame routine look like? Man, you're engaging people with questions. Um, I'm thankful that my worth and my value aren't based on what I do. Do you struggle finding worth or value in your life? And these are questions that are cutting straight to the heart. And we need, and what Jesus was really good at asking questions. We need to get better at that. And so it's transitioning from engaging the heart, engaging God first, engaging the heart, engage to multiply is where we want to get. And that's where asking these strategic questions is such a big deal. <laughs> Next, we move to equip in our process. And that comes from Ephesians 4.12. It says the responsibility or their responsibility is to equip God's people to do the to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. And, um, you know, so so we equip these guys and we equip them with prayer, scripture, community and a clear plan. And even in this multiply part, as we go back to engage, we have this little map and we get people thinking about who are the influences are in your life. And it starts us thinking about who you need to go to so they can impact you can invest in that person and they can go to somebody else. 
So, man, I would, you know, if you're watching this, I would stop what you're doing right now and just say, hey, God, um, who are the people that you've called me to make an impact on right now? And just give me four people, God. And what do I need to do first with that? And look, this is a hard thing. I remember, like I told you earlier, going to these coaches and asking them to like go out with me, <laughs> you know, is what it felt like. It's yeah. Like, it's hard. But look, I think if you, if you ask God, he will give you somebody and he'll give you a clear plan. And so for us, that, he, you know, we have to know that you have to be able to pray for them. You have to know scripture. You have to understand the community and then the clear, the clear plan. And then the empowerment thing is we use MAWL, M-A-W-L. It's model, assist, watch, and launch. M-A-W-L, MAWL. Um, 2 Timothy 2.2, it says, You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. And so, man, you got who's God asking you to go to and engaging them? And look, you know, when I was a youth pastor, I had like this 2020 thing and it's 2020 vision. And it's like, find five people, two people that are spiritually stronger than you, two people that are, that you would consider below you spiritually and appear and engage these, these people in faith. And maybe you need to think about that and, and apply something like that to your life. And so, um, the beauty of discipleship is no, no one's supposed to do it alone. Look, if you're on a desert island, yeah, I get it. But man, God's asking us to, to be faithful stewards and to, to make an impact. God doesn't, and it goes back to the sanctification thing as we kind of, I don't know, are we landing the plane here? Uh, maybe you guys have some questions on it. And, you know, we didn't dig real deep into this. But, you know, I love what Walt Disney said. Again, my second favorite Walt. This is probably my favorite Walt Disney quote after the doing the impossible. Walt Disney said, it's time to stop talking and start doing. And that's a message the church needs to hear. Every Wednesday, we're talking about discipleship. Well, let's do it. Man, it comes down to this. It comes down to find your people and grow together. It's that simple. Who's God called you to, to, to run with and, and go and grow? And, um, man, renew your mind, struggle with forgiveness. And we'll talk about that here in a few minutes. Yeah. But we can't just sit here any longer and, and just let life come as you, at, at you, man, we got to go make something happen, man. Be that third monkey, man. You got to fight. You're going to fight, fight like the third monkey trying to get on Noah's Ark. Praise the Lord. I love that. Um, <clears throat> Gosh, going so I have a I have a, something short, and going back really to the very beginning where you said um, that what the promise and the payoff, right? The process Pro between the promise and the payoff is the process, right? And you said you struggle the most with the process, and that's because that's where all the work is. That's our that's, work. It's on me. Yeah, yeah, because the work on the the payoff and the prom that's already been taken care of. That was that was the work that Jesus did. So it requires nothing on our part. Yeah. And so that's why that process part is so hard because we actually have to do something about it. And man, I struggle with that big time. I mean, I I feel like Aaron and I have been faithful in you know doing this podcast and and the the things that we're doing in ministry, whether it's through this or through our local churches. 
um, or just in our personal time, whether it's with our, our wife and our family or just with other people. Um, but gosh, it's so hard. And it's something that I, I really have struggled with the process a lot. Um, I think a lot of people probably look at me and, and I don't want to say this in a bragging way, but they probably look at me and be like, oh yeah, Houston's a Christian. He seems like he's got his life pretty much figured out. You know, it seems like he's got everything going, but this Christian walk is a struggle. Um, I feel, you know, we were talking about the thoughts and stuff, but I feel like a failure all the time because, and I don't want to dwell on that thought, but I'm just like, gosh, I'm so glad that salvation has nothing to do with how good I am because, um, that wouldn't work out too well for me. You know, my boss, Tim Johnson is a vice president at FCA and he's mentoring me right now. And this is what he says. If it's worth doing, it's worth doing poorly. Mm. Look, go and make something happen. You know, yeah. instead of just sitting and I wish, look, if, if you want somebody to be more friendly to you, go sow that seed to somebody else. Mm-hmm. It just comes down to this. You can't be a disciple without discipline. Make something happen, man. Do it. Find somebody. Do it like a U version is an awesome way to do Bible plans. Man, get a plan. Make it happen. Don't just sit by and make excuses yeah. on you know, why you're not going to do it. Um, I don't know. It's, it's time for us to just get out of bed spiritually, stop sleeping and, uh, and go make it happen. Yeah. Praise God. You've said so many things in not just this segment, but the one before that I feel like Aaron and I discuss on a daily basis. So I'm just going to cut you off real quick because that's how it has to work. Um, But no, like what you said about like um, discipleship takes discipline. I've strongly been feeling God calling me um, over the last little while back to a place of of discipline. Um, So just a quick little little backstory. Um, I used to do a lot like I I would I think my certificate just expired. So I'm officially not a personal trainer anymore. Um, but I was a personal trainer and it was so consuming. I would say about a year ago was when it, or I don't know, about a a year, eight months ago, but it, it all, it was something that consumed me. So it's, it was a healthy, like training is healthy. It's good for your mind. It's good for your body. But it it can become something that if your focus is too much on that, then it, it can become unhealthy. And so I feel like that's where it had become. Um, and it was violently brought to my attention. God rocked me on it. Um, <clears throat> but then it kind of became, I kind of got into a place of, of losing that discipline. Um, and more recently I, I felt like I'd, I'm pretty sure I mentioned it today to Houston, that that I really strongly felt that God has been calling me back to a point of discipline because I'm now in a position where my my focus is entirely on God. It's not it's not something that can be shifted back to where it was. And when we were talking about um, having been discipled, I I can't say that I've never been discipled because since Houston and I have became friends, I've never had a friend reach out to me and say, Hey man, anything I could pray for you about? Hey, how's, how's your walk with God going? You know, like random questions like that, that like almost set me back. I'm like, what, 
did he just ask me that? Like, isn't that like a personal question? But then it, it's like learning that that's how like real friendship is supposed to be. That's how discipleship goes. You kind of lean on each other in those moments. Um, yeah, I just, I just wanted to interject with that because I feel like that's something that I didn't really realize until right now, but yeah, that's something yeah, that, tell, you know, one of the first talks I give when I come to a team that I've never been in front of, and it's more leadership focused because we're, you know, trying to be smart in preaching and, and how you do anything is how you do everything. If you're going to cheat on video games, you know, you're going to cheat on the football field, right? You're going to, if you're going to cheat in the weight room, in the classroom, you're going to cheat in real life. You're going to fudge your numbers as a salesperson. All this stuff matters. Mm-hmm. And so if you're making this, and I'm working on this myself yesterday, man, I did 50 squats, 50 crunches and 50 pushups yesterday. Cause I mean, Paul talked about it and I pound my body. I make my body subject to me. Cause mm-hmm. look at the beginning of the, the world, you know, Satan is this little snake. And at the end of it, he's this monstrous beast. It's because he's been fed and we got to, we got to know, figure out how to, how to fight this battle. And I want to challenge those people that they just say, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a whatever. I'm not a this, you know, Luke five, Jesus is, is asking, you know, can I use your boat? Can I, can I use your boat to go out and preach right in front of the crowd? Cause there's so many people there. He, they can't see him. And what he's ultimately saying is, is man, can I use, can I use your influence? It's not just about a boat, right? I'm not saying about a boat like Canada. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> he watches more episodes than he let on to. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> so, um, but the point is that scripture applies to my life because I don't have a boat. Jesus is wanting to use my influence. And man, whether you're working an assembly line, you're a sales guy, you're a, you're a, propane tank filler man god has put you in a place of influence you've got somebody you influence use that influence for the kingdom and because here's the thing god you know i told you my my purpose statement of this year is rediscover and this is exactly and i'm going to read it i says i want to rediscover the simplicity the mystery and the majesty of who i am what i'm called to do and who it was that called me and um you know, Ecclesiastes talks about he's made everything beautiful in its time. And look, I want to re- go back to that childlike faith. And I want to live that thing out. And I think I'm close to getting there. But let, God has challenged me. What, 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 and I asked, a, I had the privilege of, of speaking at an ordination service of a friend of mine that was one of my youth students. And, and I got to speak in front of this crowd of 200 people on the day that he got, is getting ordained as a pastor. And, and But before that, we had this question and answer session where he had to answer theological questions. And I asked the kid, I said, I said, what are you called to do? And he's like, I'm called to disciple and to deal with the parents. And I'm like, and I told him, I said, I'm, I'm setting a little snare here and, he, and I need to follow up and talk to him because he's like, I'm called to preach and I'm called to this. And I'm like, and this is what I want to tell him. You're not called to do any of that. You're called to love him. You're called to honor him. You're called to serve him, to disciples other to be a light. That's it. Whether you do it from a platform of, of a podcast or you do it as an insurance salesman or a car salesman or a mommy or a Sunday school teacher, man, just go make something happen. Don't be content in your faith. It's not all, my faith has nothing to do with me. 
It has everything to with me being obedient and making sure other people have the opportunity to hear the message and the hope that Jesus brings. I mean, it's selfish to sit on your rear end and do nothing. That's the selfish, easy decision. Yeah. Gosh. You're bringing the heat, man. That's good. <laughs> I'm excited to watch this over and take notes. <laughs> I, I was about to start, and then I was like, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm rewatching it. I have that ability. <laughs> <clears throat> man. So it just comes down to, and this is what I told this, this kid this night. Um, because here's the reality, guys. I, I told him, Man, Luke is his name. I said, Luke, congratulations. Um, this is a big deal. But the day that you make this more about you than anybody else, I'm going to come hunt you down. Because <laughs> I told the story about I used to buy Doritos for him. And they, you know, I said, man, you find a quarterback, which he was, and you buy him Doritos and you go to work. <laughs> you know, I mean, who's your people? You know, I'm, I'm reading Exodus um, in my, my journey through the Bible, and, um, and then we can start winding the disciple thing down. But I think this is pertinent to where we're at. Um, Exodus 35, when I'm reading, they're, they're um, building the, uh, you know, the tabernacle is what, at this point, what they're doing. And it says, Exodus 35, 31, it says, with the Spirit of God, with the Spirit of God with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skill. Um, look, God has given us those things we need, right? I was reminded of, of and Pastor Larry, our church has been talking about, the mantle with Elijah and Elisha, where it was like, you put the mantle on, and in the moment, you have the goods. You got the skills to pay the bills, man. You're doing your thing, right? That's what I want. I want the mantle. But you know what? It took me back to Jesus when I when I was thinking about this, Um there's two ways for us to do this. Number one, God gives us a mantle and we just have the anointing to do it, you know? And, um, and the, but the second way I immediately went to Luke two fifty two, where it says Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. Right. That's where we are in our faith. That's the process that we don't like, but you know what? The Greek that Jesus advanced is to go forward or to make progress like a Smith forges a hammer. Now think about that. Our faith is not supposed to be some, oh, just God gives me the desires of my heart and I just go and do what I think I'm supposed to do. It's just little happy thoughts. Man, this is saying Jesus was pounded to mature and grow by his mom and his dad and by his heavenly father. Man, Jesus, Jesus had dirty diapers, you know? Brother had dirty diapers. He had to pee. I promise. Doesn't say it in the word. That's true. That's true. <laughs> We have to submit ourselves to the, the process of growth to become what God has called us to be. Mm. And a lot of that happens because we mature in the faith, we renew our minds, and we handle forgiveness, and we steward forgiveness well. And that's where we're going. I love it. Mike, this is so good. <laughs> so good. I'm still Thank cooking, you. baby. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, did that wrap up discipleship? Cool. <laughs> <Perfect>. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this now. Yeah. Discipleship should never be wrapped up. Look, I came to Jesus when I was three years old. I can tell you the road it happened on. I, I mean, I remember it. I've never walked away. You know, when my wife and I got married, man, I, I've never had a drink. 
I've never been with another woman. I've never done drugs. I was pure. It was awesome. And she was the same way. I can take you back to that moment when I was three years old. I'm 47 years old now, and I've followed God my whole life. If there was a graduation where discipleship was done, I'd like to think I would be there. And I'm not. And I struggle. And I'm, I, I, I have issues. And I get mad and throw things when I shouldn't. And, you know, I respond poorly. And my wife, just this last week, her car broke down. And I'm just like, oh. But you know what? We'll talk about it as we move to forgiveness. Is Stewardship is the answer in every situation. Is, you know, um, there's a leadership teaching. Um, e plus R equals O. It's event plus response equals outcome. You can't control the event. That's what you're given. All you can control is the response. And then you have the outcome. And if you don't get the outcome you want, you're going to have to go back and repeat your response over and over and over again. And isn't that our life? Event, response, outcome. Event, response, outcome. E plus R equals O. And that's discipleship. That's the process that I hate. That I wish I would just, Jesus would throw the mantle on me and I'd arrive. But the day I arrive is probably the day I I need to just die and go on and be with heaven. And just so you know, I'm ready for that day. I can't wait. And I got life insurance, so Lindsay and the kids would be good. But uh, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> just so you know, um, I won't. I will not acknowledge you in heaven. I love you, but I won't even say hi because it's just all about me and Jesus at that point. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, funny. Diapers and wings in heaven. <laughs> yeah, we had a blanket like that in my house when I was growing up. It always freaked me out. I, like it. I hope I don't have diapers and wings on. I hope you don't have diapers and wings on either. <laughs> I mean, it comes down to this. I'll end this session with the story of a of a captain of a pirate ship. And um, you know, he was he was an awesome captain and um but he always had a way of solving problems that was unique. And one day his first mate, you know, knocked on the door and says, Captain, you know, we're, we have a problem. And, and he would remove a key from his, 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 he had a key around his neck. He unlocked the safe. He pulled out a, a, a ratted piece of paper and um, he smiled, nodded, put the paper away and solved the problem. And not long after that, the first mate knocks on the door and was invited in. And says, there's a band of pirates chasing us. And he does the same thing. He pulls the key from his neck, opens the safe, pulls out a ratted piece of paper, smiles, nods, and solves the problem. Um, and, you know, they, um, they, they didn't know how to respond to this. But one day there, there was a hurricane approaching. And um, they knocked on the door and the, the captain didn't answer. And they pounded on the cor- the door and the captain didn't answer. And the first mate is a bigger guy and he like busted the door down. And, and he's like, "What? there's a hurricane, what are we gonna do? And he had that thought, the safe. So he runs to the safe and it's locked. And what's he forgetting, Houston? The key. The key. So he goes and rips it from the captain's neck, opens it up, he pulls a ratted piece of paper. He's like, oh yeah, smiles, nods. And he got him out of the problem. And so um, for generations, for generation after generation, man, that's how they solve problems on this boat. Key, safe, 
tattered paper, smiles, nods, and, and they solved the problem. And um, would you like to know what that piece of paper said on it? Yeah, I'd love to. Because <laughs> that's what's the problem. And it's this. Starboard right, port left. Oh, wow. Truth. Look, guys. Pause, pray, and proceed. Man, everything we do in our life as disciples, as followers of Christ, pause, pray, proceed. Go to Jesus. How do you want me to proceed? And, and just go do something. Get off your rear end and fight like you're that third monkey. Amen. I like love it. It's not that hard. It's not that complicated. It's yeah. in sailing, there's certain principles. And in, in life with Jesus, there is too. And life with Jesus, it all evolves around us submitting our lives to him and us becoming more like him. And that's the process. That's good. Gosh. Yeah. Wow. Wow.